Welcome to the Borough Life Podcast with James and Rosie. Every month we chat to local guests to celebrate the great things happening in and around Wigan Borough. Let's get started, shall we? Hi, James. Hi, Rosie. And hello to all our listeners. We're back for another episode of the Borough Life Podcast. It's official. Autumn is here. The nights are drawing in and the comfort food is making a return. It's absolutely my favourite time of the year. I've got my first ever pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, your first ever one. Uh, you're getting a dig in there, aren't you? Because they got my order wrong, so I didn't get to have my first pumpkin spice latte. But never mind, there's always a next time, Rosie, and probably the round's on you, isn't it? I think so. In today's episode, we will be talking about all things light night, and we're talking to the people who make it all happen, Jude and Gemma from Things That Go On Things. And we also catch up with Dr. Sylvia Travers, who is the new head horticulturalist over at Hay, part of the huge transformation project that we've got going on at Hay Woodland Park. And Rosie, I know we say this a lot about our guests, but it was just so fascinating to to, to chat to Sylvia about the work that she's got coming up, her new role, what it means for, for the Woodland Park transformation. And yeah, it was just, it was fascinating, wasn't it? I can't wait for people to to hear that one. Yeah, we're really lucky to have her on board and she really is an expert in her field. Um, and leading on from that, we've got a bit of bonus content for you in the middle of the episode today. We have. We've, we've tried something different, haven't we? We've been allowed out of the studio and gone out and about. So we were over at the edge a couple of weeks ago now for us for the Wigan Youth Climate Summit. We caught some quick interviews with, with some of the guys over there. It was brilliant to see so many kids from schools across the borough, learn about the environment and, and get involved in everything that we're, we're trying to do around climate change. So that one's coming up as well, Rosie, in the middle of the episode. Yep, really inspiring stuff. So without further ado, let's get started and jump into the Light Night interview. Hi, everyone. We're here with Gemma and Jude from Things That Go On Things. And I think it's fair to say that you guys are kind of the brains behind Light Night. Well, that's very kind of you to say. <laughs> yeah, we're the artistic directors of Light Night and this is our third year. So we're really excited to be taking it to a new location. The last two years we've been by the canal, by Wigan Pier, which has been really exciting. And you get all those beautiful reflections from the water. But it's been so popular that we've been asked to bring it to Mains Park this year. Uh, it's been so popular the last few years and um, the the demand's been absolutely through the roof, hasn't it, for, for this year? Please just tell us, if, if people don't know about Light Night, haven't been in previous years, how would you describe it to them? Oh, Light Night is a brilliant evening for everybody. It's not age-dependent. You can come and explore the park and experience different works of art that are made of light. You can come out and have fun with your family, experiencing artwork, and it also is that festive feeling and that run-up to Christmas that, yeah, Outdoors in the cold, wrap up warm, you can get a hot chocolate and some lovely food on site and wander around at your leisure with your family, seeing some beautiful artworks. Light night is actually for three nights this year, so it's called Light Night Wigan, but three nights from the 16th to the 18th of November. It's certainly a good night, isn't it? So you have the lovely job of bringing together all of the pieces of work from a load of different artists from across the country, local people. So can you tell us a bit more maybe about what a couple of the artists and, and what their piece of work might look like? Can you give us any spoilers? So excitingly this year we have got 
an artist from the Netherlands presenting a work for Light Night. It's called Firefly Field and it is 200 seemingly floating lights that will be above the park. They will look like um, a field of fireflies uh, for everybody to enjoy. We've also got Danish artist Tina Beck who is bringing Enchanted Connections which is a really beautiful piece that allows the audience to play and light up the park with the trees in the colours that they want. So you could play with your family and you get to actually control the colours of the lights and, 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 and paint the trees in different colours. We were just discussing before, I mentioned about the demand that we've had. The latest figures, Rosie, we're, like, we're into kind of like more than 15,000, aren't we? Absolutely. I mean, in the first 24 hours, we had thousands and thousands of bookings, didn't we? So... As kind of curators, how how did that feel for you to see? It was amazing. It's such a brilliant feeling to know that we've picked a programme and then people actually want to come out and do a thing. There's such an appetite for that kind of work. So, yeah, it's really rewarding. I think one of the good things as well is, is kind of raising the profile, isn't it? Wigan is now part of the Light Up the North network. Yep, it's really exciting, actually. So there's a group of light festivals from the north who have been getting together on a regular basis for a number of years now and, and Wigan's now part of it. And it means that we can co-curate and co-commission work, which means Wigan gets bigger and better light works that we might not necessarily be able to afford on our own, such as Firefly Field, which is a co-commission with four of the other partners. It means that we can pack more art into our trail. So one of the benefits of working with the Light of the North Network, like Gemma said, is being able to co-commission bigger artworks. And so we started that process in 2021 when we co-commissioned Luke Jerome's Floating Earth, which we brought to Pennington Flash and Lee. And 30,000 people came out to see it in seven days, which is just incredible. And there's no way we would have been able to afford that kind of piece of artwork on our own. But the fact that we're a part of a network allows us to share those costs and doing brand new work like that. So I know from visiting the previous light nights, I know that participation and getting local artists and even residents involved is a big part of the programme. So what have you done this year that's that's got people involved? We've had a brilliant project called Wigan Borough Icons that has gone out to all of the Wigan Borough primary schools. And the brief was to research their Wigan Borough Icons, people who are important to them from Wigan and the surrounding borough and draw a picture and we have had hundreds of entries it's been amazing we launched the competition with Hacker T Dog off CBBC and he's been part of the panel to choose the the top three so I can't tell you who's been chosen because that will be revealed soon but it is a competition that's going to run for years we hope because we're getting three made for this year and they will be life-size versions of these children's drawings but made out of neon flex so it will look amazing and we hope to add to this collection every year by relaunching this competition. And I think one of the other ways that people can get involved if you're listening to this podcast and thinking, I can't get enough of this, <laughs> is through the volunteering scheme and volunteering on the night. Yes, definitely. We have a call out at the moment for Volunteers for Light Night because the park is, is much bigger and we really would like some volunteers who are really interested in the artwork and explaining how people can get involved with the artwork. So some of them you have to actually touch to play and we need a couple of people to help audiences join in and interact with that artwork. You'll be able to be part of bringing this thing to Wigan and making it magical and explaining the artworks to people who are passing by. So if you want to get involved as a volunteer, you should email thefirewithin at wigan.gov.uk. 
to not wanting to give too much away, so we do leave some surprises for the people coming on the day. Are there any particular bits this year that you're really excited about that you can kind of give us a bit of a preview of? I love all of the programme, and it'd be really hard to pick a favourite. But if I said my kids' favourite, it would be, we've got this wonderful storyteller called Ian Douglas, and he's coming with the Magic Lantern, and my kids have seen him at other festivals, and they could sit and listen to him for hours. So he brings this beautiful like shadow puppetry lantern on a little trailer and he's an absolutely captivating storyteller so i would say him he'll be there every single night that sounds a good one for my kids i'll, I'll be there um oh thanks very much you guys for coming in um sounds really exciting we'll put all the links up um so people know where to get the tickets what dates where to go how to volunteer how to get involved um looking forward to it thanks so much for having us thank you Oh, Rosie, I can't wait for light night and not long to go now. No, not long at all. So the Wigan Trail is happening from the 16th to the 18th of November for three whole nights. And we've got lots going on across the borough as well with the Christmas lights switch on over in Lee and an exhibition at the Turnpike Gallery. We'll be putting all the links in the description of the podcast as always, including how to book your tickets and how to find out more. Yeah, so don't miss out. The The demand's been, been brilliant, hasn't it, Rosie, for uh, for the tickets? So, yeah, please uh, check out the information. It's a free event, but please, please book on. Rosie, it's time for us to go over to the edge for the Wigan Youth Climate Summit. Yep, so that's coming up after the ad break, along with our interview with Sylvia. She is loving it. I'm hating it. I'm definitely in there. <laughs> I feel threatened and uncomfortable. She can't wait to take me home. <laughs> I can't wait to get away from him. What you think is harmless banter can be frightening and disrespectful. Unacceptable behaviour is unacceptable. If you're doing it, cut it out. And if you witness it, call it out. Hi everyone, we're here live from the Youth Climate Summit at The Edge and we're joined today by Karel and Ellen. James is here too, uh, we'll pass the mic over to him in a minute, um, but Karel, can you tell us a bit more about the Youth Climate Summit and what's happening here today? Absolutely, thanks Rosie. So, hi everyone, it's Karel here from the Climate Response Team again. Um, today we're at Wigan Youth Climate Summit over at The Edge, just close to Wigan Pier, and basically today is all about delivering the youth voice on climate action all across Wigan Borough. So I'll pass over to Ellen now just to explain a little bit more about our day and what we've got going on here. Thank you, Corel. Um, basically, we've got lots and lots going on today. Um, lots of stalls, lots of activities, lots of ideas that schools and colleges can hopefully take on board and take back to their schools, colleges, and also to their families as well. Hopefully get lots of inspiration on how to be a bit more environmentally friendly, um, how they can address the climate issue in school and in college, and again, how they can take it home to their families and, and get that wider message out there. So yeah, the the difference that we've got this year is that we took all the feedback back from our young people last year and basically we've tried to create a new concept that basically our young people want across the borough. But this year we've got two really engaging activity rooms. So where we are at the minute, you might hear some ocean sounds because we're in the Save the Waves room and that's all about stopping uh, marine pollution and showcasing to our young people what's going on in our oceans. We also have our Second Chance Saloon, which mimics what's going on at one of our um, local recycling sites. So basically that's been set up to ensure that a lot of material 
materials that are currently going to waste are stopped from going to waste and can be reused again. So basically we've got so many activities going on for young people where they can create things like hard hat hanging baskets that they can take back to the schools. They've got aquariums going on here. As we're looking now, there's loads of kids battling trying to get to touch one of the starfish and stuff like that. So yeah, there's loads going on here today, James. Brilliant. Corral, uh, Alan, thanks very much for, for coming on. Corral, we'll look forward to your next one uh, appearance in a few months' time. Thanks very much. We're going to go for a bit of a wander around. Thanks, guys. See you all later. So we're here with Jack from the Wigan and Lee Youth Cabinet. Um, Jack, really impressive here today, isn't it, at the uh, Youth it Climate is, Summit? Amazing. It's all about you guys. Um, so tell us from your point of view, like what, what's the message today and what are you hoping uh, we achieve? Well, honestly, this has been the second time now uh, the Youth Summit's been happening. It happened last year about this time. And Youth Cabinet worked with the council in order to make this a thing. And just seeing it in action now, it's really amazing to, to watch and be a part of. Um, all the different opportunities young people can be a part of, all the different sponsors all come together to tackle this this worldwide threat. It, it really is amazing to look to see. So there's a good uh, age range, isn't there? We've got um, kids and young people from uh, all over the borough coming in. So what are the kind of the, the, the key messages that you'd like to, them to take home from today? Honestly, we can see it around us. Uh, our world is changing and our generation is in a difficult spot right now. Um, so just having the opportunity as young as we are and have free time as we, did, we now have just been able to enjoy what we have because who knows in a few decades we might not have this so we need to work hard and ensure that we enjoy what we have around us and there's a bit of a, a an educational message there isn't there that everyone can even if it's a, a you know making a, a little difference it all adds up doesn't it in terms of um, helping our environment Howdy everyone, so I'm here with Darren from FCC Environment who run our waste sites across the borough and we're here to talk about Second Chance Saloon. Hi Darren. How are you doing? You okay? Good, thank you. Uh, we've just got you in without much warning, haven't we? So could you tell us a bit more about Second Chance Saloon, please? Okay, I mean the basic principle around Second Chance Saloon is about getting across the message that we, you know, we, we all have disposable items and they're not necessarily at the end of their life and it's trying to get some understanding and share shared ideas of how we can reuse items and stop stuff going to landfill basically, you know, and, and, and just extend life of products. Absolutely. So it's at Slag Lane Recycling Centre, so make sure you head down there and check it out. It looks great visually as well. Don't let your litter spoil the scene. Use the bin and keep it clean. 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 Hi everyone and welcome back to the Borough Life podcast where James and I are joined by Dr Sylvia Travers. Hello Sylvia. Hello. And could you just introduce yourself, tell us a bit more about your title. So I am the newly appointed Head of Horticulture at Hay Hall. Uh, I've been in position for about two months Yeah, and I'm really happy to be here. And we've brought you out, Sylvia, on an absolutely belting day in Wigan. It's it's just, yeah, it's horrible outside. But I just wanted to ask, to, to start us off, I feel like this is quite a big question actually as well, so I apologies for not having a bit of a lead into this. Why is horticulture important at Hay Hall? Yeah, that is a rather big question <laughs> straight off. I think horticulture is important everywhere. Um, and Hay, there is the chance now to make it more important. You know, the, the kitchen garden, the wall gardens are there. They were built to produce food. The whole estate was once a beautiful horticultural space. 
Uh, and the bones of it are very much still visible on the in the veteran trees, in the arboretum, and in the wall garden itself. And given the context of the way the climate's going, the climate crisis we're in, the food poverty, food and horticulture, in my opinion, are very much a social issue as much as anything about being outside and well-being. So actually, it feels very pertinent to be talking about horticulture at Hay. So it's the start of an exciting new chapter at Hay, isn't it? Can you just tell us a bit more about your background, where you've come from, and how you'll bring yourself into Hay, I guess? So I've been in horticulture for about 20 years. I actually didn't start out in horticulture. I started off in the social sciences. But I've always, since I was a child, been interested in in kind of sustainability, I suppose, and self-sufficiency and growing food where it's come from. And actually, you know, when I was studying social sciences and anthropology, they were the common threads. Going into horticulture seemed like the natural progression. And I really wanted to get my hands dirty. At that stage, 20 years ago, there wasn't very much of it being taught. And there weren't very many walled gardens in operation or food growing really wasn't on the agenda in terms of sort of heritage, uh, public garden horticulture. Um, But I went to Heligan in Cornwall as as a student placement. And it was kind of like this whole world of of craft and skill and ingenuity. And it was a very weird kind of visceral experience of actually seeing a whole world of of magic open up in front of me. And and so it kind of really cemented this idea that food growing was the thing I wanted to be doing. And then I realised I'd actually like to continue my studies. And so I left for Denmark for three and a half years to do a PhD in apples. And then I I got a a job growing for a restaurant in in Cumbria and then went off. and, And actually then the head chef, wanted to set up his own restaurant and so that's how I ended up at Moore Hall in, in Lancashire setting up the kitchen garden there. How would you explain like the concept of a, a kitchen garden then and, and like uh, some of those those interesting aspects that you may bring into to the, to the plans at Hay? I think I would start by saying that food is the common denominator to us all. We all need to eat. It's the thing that should unify us and and bring us together but it often doesn't. It's usually it's quite often a marker of social inequity. And I think the opportunity at Hay is actually to sort of bring food a bit more into the town and into the kind of people's consciousness. And the wall garden was built and designed perfectly to grow food. So Mm -hmm. we've actually got an amazing canvas with which to create a kitchen garden there. And the kitchen garden isn't just to grow for the hall. It would have been originally, but I actually think now the more modern twist is that it actually becomes an element or a way of, of helping us understand our environment and where food comes from and to connect us with that, with something that we've lost, I think, through generations of commercial horticulture and agriculture. And, you know, 100 years ago, we would have, all our families would have grown food on some level or had some connection to it and some connection to the land, even if it was just through allotments or a backyard. But actually very, very much now you can go through your entire life without actually knowing where your food comes from. And I think that's really important in terms of teaching our children of, of where food comes from, from a social and health well-being, but also just in terms of putting horticulture very firmly on, on the map of, of a, as a career, as something that's a, a possibility for people in Wigan. Because at the moment there's no um, apprenticeship in horticulture in the borough. And actually using the garden as a teaching tool, particularly in food growing, I think would be amazing. Yeah, and so one of the things which you've kind of touched on in that is the apprenticeship that you're creating, I guess, Mm. with Wigan and Lee College. So can you tell us a bit more about your hopes for that, what it'll look like, who you're kind of hoping to reach with it? Any tips for the application? (laughs) It's kind of, we're still at the very early stages of planning this apprenticeship, but in my mind at least, I think it can be quite groundbreaking because 
There are very few, if any, specialist edibles apprenticeships in the UK. But also linking it with a college is really significant. A council-led one is really significant. But also my hope is to, to widen the teaching a little bit, to include bits of sociology and history in there and to kind of put food growing in its context of, of the history of food growing in the UK and of Victorian kitchen gardens, but also the modern twist of you know, really bringing food growing back into the, onto our local area and empowering people to think that horticulture is a career you can choose to do and not something as a last resort, which often it is, and that it can be anything you want it to be. You can be a gardener, you can be a scientist, you can, you can work in a park, you can go study at Kew, you can do whatever you want with it. It, it has threads everywhere. And actually, if you scratch a little bit below the surface, you'll find that horticulture in, in any of its guises will affect everything you do. Think about everything that we have in our lives as plant-based. You know, from our, our clothing to our food to our textiles, everything. So it touches so many things that actually to have that connection, to reestablish that connection is really important. And so you mentioned that it's a new, new job mm. for you. So how's it going? I've got a really supportive group of people around me, an amazing group of people. And I think it's really exciting. And I, and I, and I also have to kind of, I guess, sort of, it's quite radical that a council is supporting such a project because it is quite groundbreaking in terms of scale and aspiration. Mm. So I think it's going to be a really amazing thing. I think its history is really important, but so is its future. Um, and one of the things I was just going to say was obviously a lot of the work that you're going to be doing is rooted in history. It's bringing, it's bringing those thoughts to the forefront, isn't it? The kitchen garden hopefully will be a, a, a fusion between old and new. And the Victorians are the best known for kitchen gardens, but they didn't start them. The Victorians knew exactly what they were doing, but we've learned a lot about plant science and how to grow things differently since Victorians. You know, chemical use is probably the, the most obvious. So it's kind of like building on what the Victorians did and using our modern knowledge and expertise and ideas of how we can grow food more efficiently and kind of bringing those two things together to get the best of both worlds. So creating a new future, but also acknowledging the heritage that has gone before. I'm, I've, I'm going to circle back on the, the PhD in uh, apples. So <laughs> go on, tell us about I've, ne I've never heard of something like that before. It, I bet it's got a really long... It wasn't in apples. You, you must have shortened It was a bit more there. complicated than yeah, that, exactly. but it's the easiest way of just chucking that bomb out there of just talking about <laughs> apples. Um, it, I covered pears as well, if that's any help. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> but it was... It was it was a very pra practical uh, PhD looking at how to help farmers analyse fruit in their orchards. So when a farmer has, a, has a, an orchard of trees, they can, if they want to look or assess the internal quality of the trees, or the fruit rather, they have to cut the fruit open. So you can only take limited samples of those fruit to get a whole picture. But actually, there's a lot of variation in fruit on a tree from even the top of the tree to the bottom and whether it's in sun or shade. So actually, they don't get a full picture of how their fruit is doing, say, in terms of ripeness, so sugar content, how firm they are, and the colour. So I was looking at ways of analysing those fruit without actually destroying the, the fruit at all. So looking at the internal chemistry with light, essentially. So firing a beam of light at, a, at an apple and looking at the difference between the signal going in and the signal going out, coming back, will tell me what's going on inside that fruit. I'd just like to say, I think James is speechless. Yeah. <laughs> is that a first? Yeah, do you know what? I'm fascinated by that. 
I, I just, I want to, I want to know more. I'll ask some follow-up questions after we've stopped recording. <laughs> well, thank you, Sylvia. Yeah, thanks so much, and good luck with the with the project. Thank you. So a big thank you to Sylvia for coming on to chat to us, and we're really excited to see those big plans play out. Yeah, that was another good one, Rosie. Really enjoyed chatting with Sylvia, and it's going to be so exciting to see how those plans grow in the next few years. Pun intended. There, um, another brilliant episode. Light night. Hey, Hall, loads going on. So as ever, if you want to go back and listen to previous episodes, Rosie, where do people find our content? You can always follow us on social media at Wigan Council or head to our Borough Life Plus pages, wigan.gov.uk forward slash Borough Life Plus. Thanks, Rosie. So episode nine, done. See you next time. See you next time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.